recording. Hey, TJ, how's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty good, man. How are you doing? Doing good. We have a, another guest star. The man, the myth, the legend, the excellent author, John Wilker. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Here. Excellent. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I um, I want you, I want you to know that you know. I, I'm sure you remember uh, back at 360. I got a copy of the first uh, episode of Space Rogues, and then I yes. bought it on Audible. Um, so I'm in the process of listening to it. And man, let me tell you what you've uh, you've done some good work here. Done some excellent work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> done Thank some you very much. Um, but we wanted to talk to you a little bit about you know 360. What got you started with 360? Like, what was what was the thing that just like sparked the idea? I want to hear about some of your history with with Mac OS and iOS, and I, I need to hear the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be one of those long shows. This is gonna be a long show. <laughs> um, well, I've been a Mac user for for years and years. Um, I had my first. For very first first Mac was like a Performa when I worked at Walmart in high school that we were getting rid of and I got it like cost or whatever our employee they just didn't want it anymore and then uh, so played around on that but that back then it was you know like system God it would have been eight I guess or nine maybe mm-hmm. um, so there wasn't a whole lot to do and it wasn't I didn't it wasn't a work machine it was just something I played around with for fun. Um, then in college, I ended up, I got a power book five ten mm-hmm. that weighed like 50 pounds and it was like a nine inch screen. It was monochrome. And I used that forever, including all the way into like my first like corporate job as doing purchasing and stuff for a company that built computers. I had like a PC scratch built deal on my desk and I still use this like ridiculously ancient heavy ass Mac laptop and like had to do all these hoops to everything I did. I'd have to like run through the various conversions to get it into like an Excel file and back again. And just cause I wanted to keep using that, mm-hmm. that old laptop of mine. Um, how long did you use it? Um, probably in the span now, it probably doesn't not crazy long, probably about six years. Okay. Um, it's pretty and, long. And it, yeah. And it was, and it like had no ports that were usable on it. Cause it was the one, I don't know if you even know this, but like had these two bays on the front of it that could be anything. So it could be your ridiculously heavy battery, or you could swap in like a three and a half inch drive, or you oh, could swap in a second battery or like the idea being there, they'd eventually make tons of other things. They never did. They only made batteries, I think. Um, and so it shipped with like just an empty cell on the other side and it had a floppy drive and that was it. Like it had, I think a, like the small shaped SCSI port on the back, some other random round Apple specific plug at the time. Like nothing I had at work or anything actually could ever talk to this thing. The right. network guy had to do all kinds of hoops to get Apple talk and stuff to work on a windows NT network and, yeah, it, it was it was very much a labor of love just to keep this thing like having a purpose in life. 
So what was it that, so I, I mean, I think Shane and I could probably both talk about our, our thoughts. And I mean, even we were kind of before that time though, in a way where the Mac was so incompatible with PCs. Um, cause I, I, by the time I started using a Mac, I think it was, it was an Intel core two duo. It was running Mac OS 10.6 snow leopard. Mm. Um, and at that point they had made a big focus on, you know, compatibility with windows. So what was it that kept you around in the Apple ecosystem? What was it that, that made you want to use the Mac, like continue with this labor of love? I feel like it was just sheer force of will. <laughs> There's absolutely no benefit to doing it. it. It was agony all of the time, like bugging the network guy to, to make it work so that I could get on the network and it wasn't even, I don't even think it had Wi-Fi. I can't, I would imagine not a, then. Probably not. So like, I had to have like this crazy little adapter that then went to, you know, an Ethernet jack. And so like, yeah, he was like, no, why on earth would I like open up our network to potential vulnerabilities so you can have this stupid laptop on? And I just bugged him enough and we were friends and finally he did. Um, but yeah, there's literally no point. Like it, it, nothing was easier because I did that, but I had this laptop and i was like this is really cool i have a laptop and it's a mac which even then even in their low point was still just kind of cool it looked neat it was all weird angles and rounded on one side right so yeah there there was zero benefit to doing it other than <laughs> i had this laptop and didn't want to stop using it no that makes sense so were you following like um just Apple as a company at the time, or was it just like your personal computer? Like, did it really not have, like, did you, did you know the story of like, what was going on? Were you like a diehard, you know, Apple power user or was it just your laptop? Uh, no, I was, I very much followed Apple. I had a, at the same time, or actually before that I had a Newton that oh, I wow. adored also Ooh. in its complete lack of usability. <laughs> um, but I had that like my senior year of high school. I'd saved and saved and saved to buy the dumb thing. Took it to college and like literally was taking notes. All of my college notes were in this thing. Like again, ridiculous because it, none of those notes could go anywhere after that. Um, but yeah, so I'd, I've always been from that from yeah my my high school days kind of followed Apple and always wanted to have Apple stuff. Hmm. Oh, I know that feeling. You mentioned earlier. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you had two bays in the front of that laptop for batteries. Yeah. What was your battery life like on that laptop? It was a, not great. It was. Um, I only ended up having the one battery because the, the, the other battery was crazy expensive. I eventually got two because I got the company that I worked for to buy one. Um, but I feel like with both batteries in it was still only maybe most of a day because they weren't very big batteries and they certainly weren't nearly as efficient as now. Um, yeah, I can't remember for sure. Cause usually I was uh, plugged in, but yeah, I feel like the few times where I like wasn't at my, the office. Yeah. Maybe six hours. Okay. My current machine brand new. If I like, if I'm running Xcode or doing anything heavy fans start spinning up and I get like three or four hours, maybe probably yep. less than that. <laughs> so nothing's changed. This is true. Yeah. Fair point. 
Yeah, Shane and I, we were just talking about this. We both have the um, 16-inch 2019 MacBook Pro. And it's the same thing for me. I need to go to a coffee shop. I need to like get a bunch of work done. I will sit down. For me, it's Visual Studio Code for the for the most part right now, but still sometimes with Xcode. And once I like really start getting in the groove, those fans start to spin and they and it goes crazy. And I I will be lucky if I get six hours of battery life. Like very lucky. I have now. I had an old like the the titanium power book. Oh yeah, oh, the G four. It had yeah, and it had you know, crappy battery life too. And I got to the point and I still do it to this day. There's not a room in my house or a bag on my wall of bags that doesn't have a power brick in it. Nice. Like my motto is just never be any place where there's not a power brick. And I'll go out like, we'll do when we travel and stuff. Nicole will be like, why are you bringing all this stuff? I'm like, cause I need a power brick. Yep. <laughs> if the phones ever switch to USB-C, I think I would have that life. Because right now I just have lightning and USB C everywhere. But if I could just have one, it'd be it would be, that would be giant, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've slowly migrated to just the induction chi chargers. So now I just have these little pucks laying all around the house. <laughs> oh can, wow. Nicole finally upgraded her phone. So now yeah, now there's just pucks everywhere and you can just sit your phone down on things. It just charges. That, yeah. See, that's one one uh, place I haven't gone yet. I'm currently in the process of switching everything over to USB-C. And my goodness, I wish that Apple would switch um, the iPhone over to USB-C. It's ridiculous. It, it is because it's just this proprietary cable. Nothing else uses it except for select Apple products. Um, I hear that the EU is like starting to pressure them to move towards USB-C. And they're actually paying a massive fine every year. Um at yeah. least in the millions, possibly billions. And they because- argue that it'll stifle innovation. I'm like, it's lightning. Lightning. No, nobody but you wants this, and you don't really want this. <laughs> yeah. My iPad now is USB C. I just like the name Lightning and Thunderbolt. Like that's <laughs> that's cool. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I do think it's funny that they like, and you guys, I know, I heard that you have both. 11 or 11 pro phones like that charging base is like a brick with a USB-C plug that then goes to lightning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you made special pains to make that ridiculous cable. Yep. No, nope. it I, has precisely one purpose in life. <laughs> we'll be there eventually. Like just give it. Yeah. Just someday. Whenever I buy my next one, then we'll, <laughs> then they'll <Yeah>. upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> or probably after you buy your next one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, so you go from having this, this G4 and at this point, Apple is starting to come up on, you know, it, it's the upswing, I would say like give or take. I remember when the G4 started coming out and I was a PC user at the time. I had an, an old Hewlett Packard laptop and I remember being kind of jealous of my friends who did have like Macs because it, I've, I've said on this podcast before and Steve Jobs talked about it. The UI was just lickable. You know, it looked like a lollipop. It looks it's so true. much better than Windows. That minimize um, button. Oh, those aqua so, buttons. Yeah, those aqua uh, buttons. Yeah. It looks so nice. So what was it like for you as you watched Apple kind of come back from, you know, where they were? And like, w- kind of where did you go from there? I'm I'm, I'm kind of trying to build this up because I want to like see how 360 came to be. <laughs> um, It was cool to watch it come up. Um, Eventually, I after the... The after the when I was doing purchasing because I I didn't 
start out writing any code or anything. When I moved into writing code, I ended up going back to PC stuff for a while. So then mm-hmm. I just kind of had to watch Apple release cool stuff that I didn't get to play with because I never worked at a place where they had made the switch yet. Um, and for a while it was, you know, I would bring my own laptop and be like, yeah, that's cool. I'm just going to leave the one you gave me here. I'm going to use mine. And then by then most companies, especially creative companies and software started doing more Mac stuff. Um, so it was really nice to see that, like to, you know, go from the office where mine was the only Mac in it or, or there were none. And when I was on my Dell and Spiron laptops, um, you know, to seeing a sea of shiny silver laptops everywhere. Mm-hmm. Those glowing Apple logos when you're in a, a conference room or. Yeah. Yep. For and, me, it was in, initially out. upside down Apple logos and then right side up <laughs> Apple logos. Oh, wait, was that a thing at one point? Were they upside down? I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't remember when they made the switch. I remember there's a lot of fanfare about it. But yeah, for a long time, the Apple logo was flipped from where it currently is. So that when it was, I think the logic was when it was closed, it would face you. Like the bottom of the Apple was where you are. Interesting. But then when you open the lid, it looks silly because then the Apple was upside down. Right. And... Eventually, somebody when it, I can't remember when it, they made the switch, but someone finally was like, "Yep, that's really weird. It should be right side up when the lid is open." And then they switched it over. I think it might have been around. Well, might, maybe it was when they started lighting them up. I don't oh, really yeah. remember the type of my, that old five ten that I had. It definitely had it upside down. I know most power books did, and then, maybe it was the MacBook yeah, then, Pro. Then they switched to right side up. Yeah, it might have been interesting. And now they're they're still upside down if you're holding it facing you. Like if you close the lid and you're yeah. looking at it, it's upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I miss the illuminated logos, though. I have to say, like the black ones look pretty slick, like the one that's on our our laptops. But I I remember two things that I really like about the older MacBooks: the the lit logo and the startup sound. <laughs> yeah, startup yes. sound. I miss both of those. I would be in class and for some reason I'd reboot my machine and then like there's a professor doing a lecture and then all of a sudden you hear da da and yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd forget wonder- to mute it before you rebooted it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I wonder if that's one of the reasons why they took it out because it wasn't the most intuitive thing. Like if you need to have it muted, like yes, you could hold, I think it was F11 on boot to mute it, but otherwise people just wouldn't have any idea and sometimes have a startup sound not the most appropriate time (laughs) yeah i never i never make it now i'm always pressing like command r whatever those recovery buttons are and i always miss it because it was you're supposed to hit them like right before right after the sound i don't even have i just mash them sometimes they get in yeah i mash it immediately because i'm like i don't know when it's supposed to happen but i'm pretty sure if i just start holding them it'll all be fine yep there you go um yeah tell us about how 360 started like uh so it had to have been right after right after the iphone yeah it was um so tom ortega my what used to be my best friend and used to be business partner we had a conference prior to 360 idev that was focused on flex development um adobe's tool um and we were doing that for i think we were maybe we were doing it for three years before we started idev um and we, the, the iPhone had come out and 
we were just trying to think of like, you know, kind of what next, like if we were going to actually like grow a conference business, probably needed more than one technology platform to focus on. Um, and he was real big into like cell programming, like um, PS4 or, P- or at that time PS2, I think, um, like for game engines and stuff. And I was like, I don't even know what that is or have even the slightest bit of interest. Um, so we just kind of like riffed on, you know, stuff that was out. We were like, you know, Windows and wasn't interesting. Um, and we didn't, oddly enough, Mac, like just in general, Mac programming didn't come up. Um, I don't know why. Um, but then, yeah, we both just kind of were like, you know, the iPhone SDK. I think we made the decision to do the conference like literally right after they announced the SDK. Um and we're like, you know, hey, this is kind of cool. Neither of us had an iPhone yet. Um, I didn't get my first one until before, just before the conference. Or maybe it was even right after the first conference. Um, but yeah, we were just kind of like, you know, we, we watched the keynote. We're like, that looks pretty damn cool. Um, there's probably a lot of stuff that's going to go on. By then, we both had Macs through work. So we were like, obviously, these the Mac developers are likely going to become iOS or iPhone, develop, iPhone OS developers. Um you know, we've got really cool software on the Mac, so we're probably going to have really cool software on the iPhone. So we should jump into this. So we just kind of threw it all in, and we're like, "All right, we're going to do this," even though we don't don't know a soul in the space or have any contacts of any kind or anything. We just dove in. Every time I look at the conference lists in the United States, three hundred and sixty underneath WWDC, it's always number two. And uh, damn it. Going to my, <laughs> remember going to my first one, and and since then it's it's changed my career. Like I was exposed to people, and and just saw the people. It's all everything's made by just humans. It's there's I'll put this uh this this mask in front of some company and just assume that you know there's some huge corporation building this thing, but really it's just you know just several people in a room, and and they're having bugs as well. It's, they're just people, and it, it's nice seeing that at 360. And it's nice also that, you know, I would sit next to people and talk to them and not know who they are. And then later on, I would like, you know, Twitter stalk them or something and find out that they're like a VP at some company or like, you know, they've released this big open source thing, but in person they were so humble. And it's just really nice that we have this community and it's in Denver. It's so close. I don't have to, (laughs) for me, fortunately living in Colorado Springs, I don't have to travel very far. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's close for some of us, not not so much for others. Just move on back. We got <laughs> I know. land. I was say it was close. You left. That's not anyone's fault. That's true. <laughs> except except that I did meet my employer at the well, my former employer now um, at three sixty IDEV. That's true. So, nice. I remember that is true. I've met. I've also met some. You know, I've had a lot of good connections and and just talked to so many people who genuinely have a love. For, you know, maybe not for, you know, Apple, who they are as a company as of right now, but for the Mac and what it stands for. Um, and it, so, so being able to go there and see people and meet people who have similar values in regards to, to computing is, is very refreshing because some people, you know, they just go to work and they just, they program because it's just what they do and they don't really care about the platform. But there is a genuine love for, for both the Mac and iOS. And you really feel it at 360 and it, it just has such a tight knit feel. And, you know, not only do we have such good 
um, just just keynotes and getting able to talk to each other. We do stuff like Night of Meat, and then we go and and, and we do karaoke. Like it's just such a good time. It's a highlight of my year. I love it so much. Agreed. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just raving now. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I don't object. Um, and that was definitely that was all by by design when Tom and I started it. And when same with our Flex one, um, and that one was born out of. I had went to an uh, to an industry conference shortly after Flex came out, and it wasn't specifically a Flex conference. It was a Cold Fusion conference, which was the other thing that I did back then. Another and cool then name. Kind of added Flex stuff, and I went, <laughs> and I had a miserable time. I hated everything about it. Nicole went with me, and I would just go back to the hotel and be like, "Well, we can go to dinner or whatever," because I couldn't make any way of talking to anybody at the party, like. It was one of those where like I would walk up to people that I, you know, vaguely knew of. They'd be in a circle and like just ignore oh. my presence until I finally walked away or, you know, it was just like the most in- unfriendly thing around. And I was just, yeah, at the end of the week, I was like, well, this blows. I wasted a week of non-billable time and I didn't make right. any contacts and everyone was kind of dicks. Um, so, yeah, I was like, yeah, this, this blows. We're not going to. I'm, if I, I'm not going to, and I didn't plan to do a conference then, but then when 360 Flex kind of started up, I was like, th- we will never do an event like that. Like we will force people to be friends if we have to, <laughs> but like there will not be this like clickish, you know, cool kids hang out separate of everybody else kind of thing and like private parties. And you know, I was like, nope, none of that. We're all in the same place at the same time. Damn it! Everyone's getting along. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When do you start planning for the conference? So I, I get emails throughout the year. So I'm assuming it's on your mind. But is like is June or like May? Like is there like a, a turning point where like it's just constant work? But until then, you're able to you have off season, or is it just like the day after the <laughs> the end of that 360? You start working on the next one. I mean, to a degree, it's both of those. Um, I don't, it doesn't really ramp up. So there's definitely an off season. Um, so I do three conferences a year now and IDEV is the last of the year. And so my off season kind of starts basically right after IDEV and goes until about, um, January. So I've right now started working on my April conference and IDEV I'll probably start really putting a ton of effort and, and thought into it in another month or two. And that'll really be primarily you know, getting the CFP cleaned up from last year and open, getting the website, dumping off all of last year's content and and setting it up again. Um, but anymore, it's pretty much like six months or less is really the when it starts. And and more and more as I do them, that six months compresses down to where really now I do. I that's like kind of the busiest part is about four months. Okay. Other than the constant emails, which is just so nobody forgets me. Right. Right. And, and trickling <laughs> out the videos is very helpful too, instead of getting them all at once. Yep. It's, it's nice to keep being reminded and seeing them trickle. I yeah. Like and that, yeah, that, that's all marketing intention. That was, I used to dump them out. Cause I was just like, I don't, whatever, here's all the videos. Um, and someone was like, you know, you'd get a lot more mileage out of it and have reasons to email and bug us all. If it was, here's the next batch of videos, here's the next batch of videos. And I was like, Hmm. That's a good idea. Yep. What's on your your future like wish list or roadmap? Would you want like actual video of the the presenter on stage, or or do you like 
uh, just the audio, like what, what do you, what's in your wish list if you could, you know, if you had enough resources today for this next one? Um, I would like to do the videos a bit different. And I, I, we used to do more of like a zoomed out, just, you know, kind of video camera style, like it captured the podium plus the screen. Yeah. Um, and that didn't really work because, you know, just the moment the presenter has an all white screen, the entire thing kind of just <laughs> washes out completely. And now the screen's black and you can't see anything until the next slide comes up. Um, and you couldn't read code to save your life. So I kind of, that's why we switched to like the way we do it now. Plus it's much more streamlined to just record directly off the laptop. Yes. Um, but down the road, I wouldn't mind having, and we do this for one of mine where someone actually sits in the front row with their camera mm. and does the like talking head, like captures just the top of the podium and the speaker. And then in post-production, I kind of sync everything up, but I found that in, I'm open to being wrong on this because these videos, obviously, as I don't write code anymore, these videos are not for me. Um, I assume for the most part, the biggest interest is what's on the screen and not the speaker. And so sometimes when I do the picture in picture, I'm like, you know, moving the picture in picture around so that it's not blocking code, mm, or turning yeah. it off for, you know, three slides that are heavy of code and there's no room and then turning it back on. And I'm like, does anyone actually want to see that person, you know, gesticulating behind a podium? Or do they just want the screen? Even though I know sometimes watching the screen recordings is not very entertaining because it's just a static wall of slide. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder if, you know, do do you need to see the presenter for a couple seconds in the beginning just to see that they're human and, you know, what they kind of look like just to, you know. Yeah. That would be the other thing would be, yeah, maybe it starts with the zoom out and then just transitions over to the slides. And then I'm also so thinking yeah, that, about like, I would love to at least have the option of that. So yeah, I would love to to up the my my options on the recordings. Um, but screen capture stuff, the screen capture part is wasn't cheap, but it wasn't ridiculous. Um, but yeah, like having someone one year for 360 Flex, Adobe. It's funny, Adobe was like crazy involved in the conference, whereas like Apple is like, you know, yeah. I don't know you. Um, <laughs> Adobe paid to have those sessions recorded, and it was like four grand a day per wow. Okay. to have like basically a, a, at least a person, if not two with a camera and the screen capture, re- like doing all the stuff, swapping out the SD card. Like, yeah, it was prohibited. Once I found out the price tag, I was like, well, this is the only year we're ever doing this. <laughs> Unless Adobe pays for it every time. And they did not. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Apple's not, jumping in and, and, you know, joining or, or contributing or anything. It's, it, it, I don't know. It just feels like it's, it's independent. It's, it's those diehards, those, uh, those rebels, those, you know, the actual users. Yeah. But I right. also wonder, you know, if they did join in or do something, would it mess up the culture? Cause it is neat what we have. Yeah. And it's, it's been, I've had a lot more freedom to like skirt stuff. Mm. You know, where like, you know, we started to kind of gently start doing talks on the betas as they were easing up on the restrictions on like the, you know, the beta agreement, the developer yeah. agreement. Whereas like, yeah, when we, when I worked with Adobe on the other one, I mean, they were super involved and it was nice because they gave me a ton of money, but there was a lot of like, this is how we would like this to happen. Or like, this is the dates that we would like because a release is coming. 
Oh, and you know, we'll announce it at your conference. And I'm like, that is amazing. Yes. But they're like, but we can't tell anything about it and we can't make any noise about it until they like, so it's definitely a double-edged sword sometimes of like, yeah, you'll get a ton of hype after the fact and live at the event. But I didn't ever get to be like, make sure to come to 360 flex because Adobe's about to release the new version of X. It was never that. So I totally see if, if Apple was involved, it would be a lot given, especially given their level of secrecy. Well, and you also do all and, and all comps like across the street from WWDC are really close. How- yeah. And in the last two, well, I guess three years now, Apple's like warmed up to us. Okay. Um, and, and I say, and by warmed up to us, I mean, we're listed on their website. The dub dub website is like other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, at least the first year around, like helped out with the new venue when they, during the move to San Jose. Um, I don't know how much they're involved now. I don't, I, I still work with Alt, but now just as a consultant to do kind of help manage the show. So I'm not as involved day to day. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. But can yeah, you tell well, us about your other, different. I'm sorry. Um, can you, can you tell us about your other conferences that you do as well? Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's funny and I don't remember what year, so 360 end end is four years. So I guess about four years ago, maybe five at like one of the state of the conference iDev talks, I was up there talking about like doing, I doing iDev and like not doing an Android event because not my people and that year. And like, that was the last year that that wasn't the case. I, the other two events are Android events. I went to uh, 360 I, or 360 and Dev um, last year, and that oh, right. the room was or that the building was beautiful. Like that venue was really cool, but it was it was also really neat because it was one track. Or yeah, it was one track. It was you know one room and and everyone was there, and it was also interesting on that the people that went there. A lot of them were iOS devs. I was sitting in the audience and I was nervous to pull out my phone, and then I, you know <laughs> over time. I see there's yeah, other iPhones, there's a lot of iPhones in that crowd. I was like, okay, you guys are mobile developers. You, your, your company needs both platforms. And so, you know, you're, you're getting that too. So it, it was neat, but the people there were really nice. The, uh, got to hang out by the food trucks and just get together with everybody. And it was also similar to 360, but it just wasn't as, um, as, as intimate, I guess as 360 because 360 is multiple days and, you know, people are flying in and, and the end one was just smaller, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's funny. So I, I dev, I debated moving it to that venue for this year. Um, but the logistics of that venue are tough. Once you get outside of like one track. Yes. Yeah. You have different floors or something staying at the Hyatt, but yeah, cause that venue, I love like it's owned by the city and I'm on, I'm really good terms with the folks that run it. And I'm always like, you guys need like an affiliate program. Because anybody that asks me about doing events or any event that I have any hand in around the city, I'm like, do it at McNichols building. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so 360 and dev is one of them down in July here in Denver. And then I do Chicago Roboto, which is in Chicago. Um, oh. And but also a single track or well, this year it's a two track uh, Android as well. Interesting. So why did you uh, branch out or do one in Chicago? What, what started that? Um, both of them were pretty much kind of born the same way uh folks in the android community came to me first and dev Mm -hmm. and then the the following year the chicago guys 
um, just approached me and said, you know, we really want to have a conference in, in either town. Um, but we don't know how to run an event and don't oh, necessarily okay. care to know how to run an event. Um, so would you do one here? And I was like, I was like, I don't mind trying it out and, and, and doing a conference. I was like, but I don't know the community. I don't know other than the folks that I know, like a lot of the flex developers ended up becoming Android developers, not iOS for some reason. Interesting. Okay. And so I know a lot of them and the, you know, a few other people here and there, but I was like, I don't know this community, so I can't really manage the CFP. Like I wouldn't know who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't or what's hot and what's not. Um, so in both cases, I was like, if you will be the tech chairs and manage the CFP process, I'll do everything else that I normally do. But if you can get me speakers, then I will all own the event and its various profits and losses. And so, yeah, both of them, I have a group of two folks in uh, for each event that kind of act as the tech chairs and, and do all the speaker vetting and managing that process. And then kind of hand me the list of like, you know, here's the speakers and they do the schedule as well. They're like, here's the speakers we've selected. Here's the schedule. And then I update the sites and do all, you know, and then I take it over and it from that end, it runs just like IDEB runs. What do you want to do for like the next 10 years? Do you want to expand the, the, um, the conferences and in, in grow them? Or do you want to, you know, write books or do you want to like play the didgeridoo? What is, what's, what's John Wilker in the next, in the 2020s? Um, I definitely don't have much of an interest in expanding the conference business. Um, now prior to the books, that was probably my goal was to figure out how to expand it or at least get it, you know, more steadily profitable. Um, but now that I've started doing the books, playing didgeridoo and writing books would be probably (laughs) the top choice. Um, the conferences, I, I don't have any plan to stop doing them. Um, they've gotten now to the point where, you know, I, I ha- it's, you know, 10, 11 years now of iDev to where I kind of have it figured out on like how to deliver a really fun and good quality event and not break the bank. Yeah. Um, it's important. And so I'm like, okay, if I can, if I can take out the stress of like, you know, oh crap, I'm, I'm going broke and or in massive debt, like I could I have, I would love to keep doing the conferences, the the three that I have and just, you know, when it comes time to start working on them, work on them, do them, you know, make enough to make it worthwhile to keep doing them and then, you know, spin it down at the, when it's done and then, you know, focus on writing during the in-between downtimes. And then what's your, your plans for the, the book series? Do you want to start a second series? Do you want to continue this universe? Um, have, do you have thoughts on that? Uh, oh, many. Um, <laughs> uh, I have another series that I've started. Um, I'm hoping to launch it this year. Uh, I wrote it last year, just kind of, it had been nagging in the back of my mind. So I had, I try and, so I try and write, release two, three, six, or t- three sixty um, space robes books a year. Okay. And so if I, but if I write more than that to kind of build up a bit of a buffer and then last year I did, so I wrote this other book as kind of the first book of a hopefully new series if it's well received. Um, but yeah, so the space rogues, I will probably keep writing until I run out of things for the crew to get in trouble doing. Um, <laughs> and then, and then I don't know, I could spin it off easily enough probably. 
and, and branch out or I, I don't know, but I haven't yet run out of ridiculous things to happen to them. Um, and so, yeah, that, that'll probably keep going. I'm writing book set book six is with the editor and comes out in April book seven. I am outlining now. Um, and I'm, I'm actually, uh, Nicole and I are going on safari and leaving this Sunday. So I've been trying to like get everything. Cause I'm not taking my laptop. I'm just taking my iPad, get everything into Scrivener so that then I can load up my iPad and have time, have all my notes and stuff and get some writing done over there. Did you say safari? Um, yeah. <laughs> where, where are you going? Tanzania? Where are you going? Uh huh. Yeah, we're going to Tanzania. Nicole's actually already there. Oh, nice. Kilimanjaro, um, with a friend of hers, and I was like, I am not climbing. Like, I like hiking well enough, but I'm not climbing. That's understandable. Being yeah, if, if I could do it in a day, I might be inclined. But it's like they're taking an eight day route, and at no oh, wow. point in those eight days is there a shower or restroom facility <laughs> that isn't like a bucket that a Sherpa's carrying. So I was like, you have fun. <laughs> I will catch up to you. Um, so yeah, so she's over there. They actually left. Yes. Started yesterday on their hike up the mountain and I leave on Sunday and then I'll land the day they come back down and, you know, get ready. And then we go off to safari. That's and awesome, man. For the listener, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Tanzania is a country just South of Kenya it's right around the equator in Africa, and it looks like the movie Lion King. It has the same type of trees. Yes. You see giraffe, elephants. It just looks like the the Lion King movie. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm envious of you right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm excited. Nicole was texting me, and she's like, because we're the, staying at this lodge place in between. That's where she started, and she'll come back there, and that's where I'm going to oh, meet excellent. her. She's like, there's monkeys here. I was like, oh, sweet. Don't let them steal your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I went in 2012 and we stayed at some resort and we stayed in tents and the, yeah, there were monkeys. And I remember I had cell, you know, cell phone and data access out there just in the fields. The The land is so flat that these, they don't have to put many cell phone towers, but you get reception. And so we were like oh, nice. looking at uh, hippos or, or rhinos or something. And, you know, I could actually send a picture to someone in the States. They're asleep right now, but that's possible. Do it. It's possible, but no, that's awesome. I'm ha- we're happy for you. Um, yeah, I'm excited, John. I want to talk. Uh, just kind of roll back a little bit. We've kind of talked a little bit about you know John as a a Mac user, a little bit about John as an author. I want to come back to that, but I want to talk about John as an entrepreneur. Um, All right, because I remember you had. I believe it was a talk that you, you know, like your, your state of the state, if you will, at 360, you mentioned at some point there, there was a moment for you where you became independent and you never wanted to go back. Um, and it's been kind of cool to watch, you know, you know, for me for the past four years, you know, see what you do with 360 and see what you're doing with, with, with space rogues and the author. But can you, can you tell us about like that moment? What made you want to go indie and like, what's keeping you from going back? <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah, I had, so my last like official salary job that wasn't me paying myself, um, was kind of, was, was an odd job to be certain. I, uh, I was hired by effective UI who's a local dev shop, uh, here in Denver to be a community manager or what did they, a community evangelist. Um, 
because they thought that that was a, a job that they should have somebody doing is, you know, is one of these well-known, you know, dev shops that, you know, they did a lot of flex work. Adobe was constantly showcasing them and all this. Um, but it was a really weird job. And like, I would do what I assume community managers do and stuff like, you know, look at this cool thing we're building. And, you know, this, we're excited about this client. Um, and it, it, it got shot down like every turn. Cause you know, I'd post a YouTube video highlighting a bit of a piece of a project and the client would be like, Oh my God, someone's going to steal that. You can't show it. We have to, um, and so finally they were just like, this is not working. So you're out. And I was like, you know, I don't know that I want to, and I was doing 360 flex. And by that point I dev like as a side job. Um, and I was just like, you know, I don't know that I want to go back to, I think that was just kind of it. That was a like, and I hadn't been writing code during that year and a half that I worked for that company. So I was like, so I've spent a year and a half not writing code in any serious fashion. Mm-hmm. And now I have kind of a, just a weird sourish taste in my mouth of like hired to do something that I was super into. And then just like, yeah, that didn't really work out. So, you know, we'll part ways. No harm, no foul. And I'm like, lots of harm. Right. Yeah. That is a harm. It is a developer and making, you know, reasonably good money. Um, but yeah, so I just, at that point I was like, you know, if 360 flex and I dev and 360 conferences is going to be a thing, then it needs to become a thing that actually pays money and, and is worth my time and investment. Um, cause the other thing that I found difficult around that t- same time, or just before I took that, that full-time gig is when I would do consulting, it was always a bit of a weird and tough sell. Or even when I did, when I took full-time jobs, cause it's like, yeah, I have this side business. That's a full business, you know? And so at least, you know, once a year, I'm going to need a week off for each of these events. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, I have to take meetings occasionally and talk to people and whatnot. And so I'd always like try and spin it like, you know, but in exchange for your being okay with that, you get to be, you know, a top level sponsor just with no money coming out of your pocket. And presently, like I thought that would be an easy sell for certain companies. And, and half the time it was like, yeah, but we don't care. So, mm. you know, side jobs on the side, not during work hours. And so, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, when I parted ways with Effective UI, I was like, yeah, this just either I'm going to make a go of this being my full time, pay me a salary job. And I never I'm not one for necessarily having well thought out plans. So I was like, well, this is going to work or hell if I know this just has to work. And so just kind of dove in. And thankfully, Nicole has always had well paying jobs and is moderately patient with me. And so there you go. Just kind of stuck with it. I definitely couldn't have done it if she had not been, and she does not like the nickname uh, Angel Investor. <laughs> First oh, time I un- said it, she was like, not funny. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. That's understandable. Yeah. Back when I was running my freelance business, it was very similar. Like I was able to do it. It was it was nice having um, you know, my wife was working full time, and so she had health insurance. So that was a that was really nice. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I always I was great at doing you know, being, you know, a consultant and stuff, but I was a horrible salesperson. And so like, I, you know, be working away on a project and then it would wind down and be like, well, damn, now what do I do? And so then I'd scramble and yeah. So yeah, that was kind of, and my, my software in the piece as a consultant 
it was always hit or miss. Like I'd have a full-time job and a project would come up and I would quit and do that as an indie and then have nothing after that and be like, well, I guess I'll go back to full-time employment now. Kind of rinse and repeat. So how has that translated to, to selling books? How is that different? Um, it's not. Apparently I just pick jobs where I, same with conferences, I have to be a salesperson, even though I suck at it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Somehow, I, yeah, I've, I've thought about that more than once that, yeah, in all of my endeavors, and even when I ran a co-working space, I was like, yeah, I pretty much constantly pick my entrepreneurial aspects, always to focus around the thing I'm worst at, selling. Um, and yeah, the books is so surprising to me at the time like yeah very, i i liken it to being uh indie you know running your own writing your own software and doing your own business that way because it's not even necessarily the hardest part to build the thing the, the app or the book it's everything else right getting people to know that it's there getting people to give it a shot getting them to like it getting them to review it getting them to tell friends and come back for next versions and things like that so, yeah, that's very understandable for me as well. Selling was always the hard part. I remember when I was uh, trying to get consulting gigs, I was cold calling. Yeah, I would just like go through on Google and I would get a list of all the places that I wanted to to get in touch with and potentially be working, con- doing contract work with. And I was, you know, just calling 100 places a day trying to trying to. And, and same thing. It was like I wasn't very good at it. I didn't really enjoy it. Um <laughs> So, yes, I feel your pain. Kudos to you for having the hustle to do it. I would not, that would have been a night. I am not a phone person. So that would have been, I don't think I could do it. So tell me about, um, to just, just to deviate towards, towards where we're going with our picks of the week. Can you tell me like what kind of software you use regularly for running the conferences? And you said, you mentioned Scrivener earlier. So I assume you're a Scrivener user. Yes. Yeah, so for for writing, it's it's mostly Scrivener. Um, there's actually another app that I I like a lot, and I kind of alternate which app I use for writing a book. Uh, it's called Dabble, and it's written by a, someone I know from my time as a Flex developer. He's written this um, this web app, and he's got a it's got a native Mac app that's mostly just a wrapper for the for the web, um, and it's very nice. I, it's got a few things and. Luckily, I know them well enough that I constantly like keep the help window open all the time. I'm like, add this to your list. Add this to your – it needs to do this next. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that and Scrivener are pretty much my two main tools for writing. And even if I'm writing in Scrivener, a lot of times I'll use Dabble. It has a nice plot lining feature, so I can kind of outline the plot of the book in that and then just keep them open side by side. That makes sense. And then yeah, for conferences – and. It, I'm in a couple of slacks for conference organizers and it comes up all the time. I was like, what's the best tool for running conferences? And I was like, Excel. Or really? Yeah. There's literally, there's hundreds of different softwares out there and they all blow in different ways. And nobody, and, and, and it, maybe it's just one of those industries where it just is not possible. Cause half the time the software that gets made is by an event organizer. So you, they go in building what they want. But it ends up, yeah, I've yet to find something that either suited my needs as far as just the tools that it offered or was scaled at like my level of event because the pricing models can be weird where it's like, you know, per $5 per attendee per year, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that 
or, you know, I had one tool that I loved, but they moved to a model that was like $3 an attendee per month. Oh, and I'm ooh, like, there's really like rough. eight months of the year where I don't, I'm not counting attendees. Like, right. And don't want to have a monthly bill during those eight months. Um, so yeah, I've not, yeah, pretty much 360 conferences runs on lots and lots of Google sheets and yeah, that's it. And then a custom built CFP portal that the folks that do the Android events, um, graciously kind of built the, the two different teams of people kind of got together and built a nice little CFP portal. And I, it's the one that iDev uses now as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the only like actual s- specific software is that portal. And that just is a open source GitHub project that we make and it ties to Firebase. And every year oh, wow. though, Dave, the guy that does it goes in and cleans out and starts up a new instance and, connects it and he's like okay you're good to go i didn't realize this on firebase that's awesome um yeah John, I if... sorry go ahead uh, no go ahead oh, i was gonna say um at tom tom harrington's um what is it called stump 360 um mm-hmm. shane you built a tool that was um on firebase where we could send emojis to the screen Okay, actually, okay, I got to clar- clarify this because yes. Tom made a blog <laughs> post today with details on a good write-up of this whole thing, but he, he wrote most of the code. I just gotcha. like complained about emojis and wanted him to put you know, more emojis in there. But uh, he, had, he had an app at, at Stump this year. So for the listener, Stump is um, it's a session t- typically in like the, the evening – during 360, one of the days, and it's like a game show. And you will have um, the the panel, which would be uh, all the presenters or as many presenters that wanted to come and drink. And then you'd have the audience, which would just be you know audience members. And it's like a game show, and you try to stump the the panel until you ask them any question that they want, and then they'll like they look it up on their phone or try to figure it out. But it ha- it has roots at, at from WWDC from years ago, uh, where you would actually stump Apple employees. So. We we recreated it. We we brought it here. It's really fun. It's uh one of the the, the coolest evening things that 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 I go to uh, every year. But uh, Tom Harrington uh, runs it, and this year he had a, an app that he had he wrote his own slide app. So all the slides that he had for the entire game show uh, were running off his iPad, and it was connected with Firebase. And then everyone in the the audience could go to a website, and they could just tap an emoji and. Then on any slide that he was on, you would just see it, the emoji just start to fall from the top of the screen. And if you just mashed like a happy face button, you would see like, you know, 50 happy faces all coming down like matrix style uh, coming down from the top of the slide. So it gave the the user some interaction. But he wrote a uh, and I'll link this in the show notes. But today he created a uh, write up on um, details on this and, and how it all started and everything. But it, it, it was really fun. But yeah, you, you mentioned Fire Basin. I got excited. I just love that. That's awesome. I had no idea that he, I knew that he had a new thing that he used, but I didn't realize that that's what it was. And I must have not gotten there in time to hear the announcement because I had, I remember sitting there and being like, what is it with these emojis? Like, <laughs> just emojis falling all over the place. I had no idea that that was the audience. Yeah, it's, it's neat. And this year he'll, he'll crank it up. So it's good stuff. Nice. But uh, Stump is one of my favorites as well. 
Yeah. I want to thank you, John. I've taken taken time out of your week and and, uh, joining us and and going over your history and just just really appreciate it. It's always great talking to you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And then uh, TJ, let's do the, the picks of the week. So my pick of the week is an IRC client called Textual 7. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, IRC is, stands for Internet Relay Chat. And back in the day, ba- back in my day, this is what we used to mostly, uh, mostly for me, be able to contribute to open source um, projects. It was a good way of communicating. And I have recently found uh, some good reasons to get back into IRC, mostly because I'm doing a lot of uh, web development again, um, doing a lot of stuff in Ruby, doing some stuff in PHP, doing some stuff in Java. Uh, I mean, JavaScript, and there are just very active chat communities going on still in IRC, even though the protocol is 25 years old. It's stable. It's, a, it's stable. It is stable. It is not Slack. It is not, what is this Slack thing? Um, and it, it is it is very good Mac native application. There is no Windows version. It is just made with love for the Mac platform. And I don't believe there's an iOS client. It is Mac only application. Um, I think it's $7. And if you have any, any use for, for IRC, it is definitely the best client on the Mac. That's awesome. And it looks pretty. It's very pretty. <laughs> My pick pretty of the week. IRC client. Yeah, exactly. My pick of the week is a YouTube channel called primitive survival. And this is a, it's, it's kind of tech related. Um, it's two brothers or friends or something, but it's two guys who I think they're in Singapore, but they dig a giant hole and then they use wooden tools or like machetes or just like little pikes, but they will create houses and swimming pools and underground layers and all these things using really primitive, you know, little shoots of bamboo or rocks or, and then they'll do everything. And it's uh, it's time-lapsed, so in about 20 minutes, you'll see them create the whole thing. But I will sit there with my little four-year-old, and we'll just watch it and try to figure out what they're doing. And, and I'm learning all of these things, like this is how you can make a brick, and this is how you can do all these things. And then I also feel like super lazy because there's no way I would spend that much time trying to build any of this stuff. But uh, no, I, I really recommend just if you, you have some downtime, just binge a couple of these episodes and... Yeah, you'll feel better about yourself and and your, your <laughs> career path because <laughs> we have it a lot easier than it used to be. <laughs> that is true. So, John, did you have a pick or did you want to plug anything? I did. So, TJ mentioned this this morning, and I was like, "Oh crap! What should I talk? About? Like, what would be my pick?" So, I like started with this like fairly exhaustive list of things that have brought joy recently. Um, but the thing that ended up being narrowing it down, what I was doing before hopping on the recording was it's a two-parter um one i've been binging the west wing and i stumbled on a podcast that is now old and and over with by far um by one of the actors on west wing and a guy that does podcasts and just liked west wing a lot called the west wing weekly where they talk about each episode and like they bring on actors and like all these different guests to talk and so I try and like I'll listen to a couple of those during the day and then try and watch those episodes. Oh, fun! Following night or whatever to to hear all of the fun little tidbits behind the yeah. scenes. Yeah, but you're 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 doing it years later, and you can binge all yeah. the episodes if you wanted to, but you're not. You're you're holding restraint, and then what? That's cool. 
That yeah. is, that so, is and very I totally interesting. just by happenstance stumbled on the, the podcast. Um, Nicole mentioned it, but couldn't remember the name. So then I Googled it and was like, oh my God, I can't believe that this exists now. I can't believe I missed when it did, like, was being recorded. Um, but yeah, so now that's currently my, my new favorite thing. How would you compare it to, um, to House of Cards? Um, I didn't get into House of Cards, so I only watched a handful of the episodes. Um, the last one was when he pushed the girl in front of the subway that I Spoiler. watched. Spoiler. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel like the statute of limitations is expired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I never really took to it, but I, I love it. This is the second time since it was on the air that I've like sat down and like just started binging it in the evenings when, or when Nicole's not home. Um, so yeah, the, like the writing is, is super spot on and witty. Um, the, the episodes, like there's still occasional ones where I'm like, have to turn it off and be like, I'm not crying. You're crying. And like (laughs) watch, you know, modern family or something afterwards. But, um, yeah, by far one of my favorite shows. That's awesome. I've always heard good things about it. I've never watched it, but. It's on my list. I've I've never heard of yeah, it before, so I'm definitely like, giving it a shot. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Like, it's even if you're not super into politics, like it definitely is uh, leans very heavily pol- political. Um, but just the writing and the dialogue, like it's just so well done. Like they riff on each other and just the s- stuff they say. Like, yeah, like I I love it as much for the politics of it as as just the writing. Like. I, I strive awesome. to capture that in my books. All right. Speaking of which, listeners, go and buy Space Rogues. Go buy all three, and then go and buy them on Audible. There, we love John. Now? Well, now there's five. Five? That's oh, true. Okay. That's true. Yeah, there's five, five came of them out this past Christmas. It's true. So go buy the books, y'all. Yeah. John, thank you for coming onto the show. Absolutely, my pleasure, guys. So I was. Uh, talking to my wife today and uh, I was you know, telling her that I wanted to get a new Apple watch. And, you know, I was telling her, you know, <laughs> still, haven't found she, it? still found it. She keeps making fun of me too. Like she's like, what time is it? Yeah. She, she knows she's just turning that knife, but uh, you know, I still haven't found the watch yet. And podcasting is still hard. Good, Good night y'all. Good night.